These lands are both hard and beautiful. They are filled with people who know a lot of suffering. In the midst of difficulty, there's opportunity. In the face of pain, we can show love. Mission of Hope started in 1998 in the village of Titan in Haiti, which translates to less than nothing. Since then, we have expanded into the Caribbean, continuing the vision to follow Jesus Christ and bring life transformation to every man, woman, and child. We seek to meet both the physical and the spiritual needs of the people and to empower and equip people to change their countries. We begin with education and nutrition. Now, we are educating thousands of students. My vision for the future is to keep studying hard and one day make a difference in this country. I see kids in the street that didn't go to school like I did and I want to help them. We feed over 100,000 kids daily through our nutrition program and Team Hope. Tu m'as vu souffrir de maladie à sa vie au manétiction. Grâce à la mission, tu fais une vie. Tu vois mon pouce est normal. We are empowering people with jobs so they can change their countries. We are treating tens of thousands of medical patients each year. Pastors are being equipped to lead and disciple their communities. We respond to natural disasters and work alongside the church to meet needs. Thousands of North Americans are being mobilized to serve and make a difference. We serve in Haiti, the Dominican Republic, and across the Caribbean, working with local churches, partners, and schools. Following Jesus, we will go where he leads. Mission of Hope is all of us, together, committed to life transformation for every man, woman, and child. Good morning. It is uh, truly an honor to be here today at Community of Grace. It's uh, one of my favorite churches in all the world. I want you to know that. And you say, well, he, you say that everywhere you go, right? No, I don't. But I do say it sometimes. But here is definitely one of those places. And uh, I just want to say thanks to Pastor Darren, to Pastor Angie, and Hannah and her team for allowing us to come kind of year after year, Brad or myself, to come and share about Mission of Hope. Um, now, if it looks like I'm swaying, I have been in Key West. You saw the ship, the boat, on the video. We've been on that boat with about 20 pastors doing a little pastor retreat. I leave from here, go back to Key West and get back on the boat. But it, even though it's about a 100-foot boat, out in the big water, it still kind of moves a little bit, all right? And so I still feel like I'm kind of shaking a little bit. <laughs> I don't even like boats. I don't know why I'm doing this, I, whatever. But anyway, my wife has been laughing at me because I'm not a water person. I'm not a boat person. I don't beat, do the beach. I don't like sand. Uh, just give me good land, whatever. So I'd fit 
well, you got water here, but I don't mind lakes. I'm good with that. But uh, let me share a little bit kind of what's going on in Haiti. Uh, you just saw, obviously, the Who We Are video, and um, there's been some interesting things happening in Haiti over the last few years, and started in eight, 2018 with political unrest, um, and that's still going on, so just issues kind of happening constantly. Uh, I don't have to tell you a whole lot about the COVID thing. That was a worldwide event, but uh, it, it affected, and I think Brad probably shared a little bit about that when he was here last year. Uh, in July of 21, uh, the president of Haiti was assassinated, and uh, that was a, a challenging time, of course, for the country. And then August of 21, they had a major earthquake in the south part of the island, uh, which was uh, quite devastating for that part of the country. Seven, September of 21, there were 17 North Americans that were kidnapped. You probably heard that on the news, and some of you may, that if you go to Haiti or you've been to Haiti, you may stay up with some of this. And uh, even though that has since been reconciled and they are, they are free, uh, it's just been a crazy, challenging time in the country of Haiti. So it's been very difficult to get North American teams in. Uh, some of us go in quite often, or we may take a vision trip here or there, but we're not taking teams for obvious, obvious reasons. But here's the fun part and uh, the exciting part about all of this. In spite of all that's going on in the country of Haiti, uh, we have a little over 400 Haitian employees with Mission of Hope in Haiti. And our ministry, Mission of Hope in Haiti, every program has grown since all of this has been going on. Our leadership team has been doing an amazing job. Uh, many lives are being transformed. The education process, so if you sponsor a child, thank you. Uh, the education process has continued to happen. I mean, there are days when maybe the country has to stop because roads are being blocked, but for the most part, the education is still going on. The church advancement, pastor training, uh, over the last five or six years, we've been doing pastor training, and normally I would have a North American pastor there. I would come in myself or whatever, and at times we would have a Haitian pastor. We've developed a program uh, right before all of this kind of began to happen, not realizing all of this would happen, we put together a team, and two months ago we had over 400 pastors and church leaders at the event. And so all of, all of that is continuing to happen. The medical still happening, the nutrition. We're feeding right at 124,000 meals a day across the country of Haiti. The disaster relief, which we hate that that happens, but it's going to happen. You have earthquake, you have hurricanes. Uh, during the, the earthquake, we were able to, uh, to hand out over 6 million meals across the south part of Haiti uh, with families that obviously were devastated by that. And right now we're in the process of building back schools. Uh, we just kind of focused on school buildings that collapsed. And so we're in the process of building those schools back. I, uh, I've been traveling quite a bit, so I apologize for my voice. I, I've been in several different climates over the last few weeks. In fact, on Mother's Day, I was in St. Croix, uh, and I spoke at a church in St. Croix, and I came across this little story, 
as I was putting that message together. And so Mother's Day, a couple of weekends ago, right, was a man wanted to get something for his mom and uh, for Mother's Day, something special. So he found these two birds and they could, they could talk, they could sing, they could dance, and they were $5,000 a piece. And so he got the birds, he had them shipped to his mom. And then a couple of days after Mother's Day, he called his mom and said, Mom, how did you like those birds? And she said, wow, they tasted really good. <laughs> and she, he said, Mom, those birds could sing, they could dance, they could talk. You didn't eat them. She said, well, they should have said something. So... Has nothing to do with Haiti or my message. Today I'm going to share a little bit here concerning feeding the 5,000. Uh, it's the first time, in fact, that I've ever, even in all of my years of being in the ministry at a local church, I, I don't know that I've ever done a message on feeding the 5,000, but it just seems to fit what we're about, what we're doing in Haiti, what you guys are connected to, the meal pack coming up later in, in the year. And, and, of course, sponsoring children in school because food is a major, major piece of, of what we do in the country. The text is in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. I'm not going to read through that directly, but I will as we move through the message. You know, this is one of the great miracles of the Bible. I mean, even unchurched people, they'll, they'll, there are certain miracles that they mention. Jesus walking on the water, turning water into wine the feeding of the 5,000. You'll hear this even with people that really don't even attend church. And so this is the only one that is found in all four Gospels. So it's an, it's an incredible story. And we, we've grown up in church. We've heard it all of our lives. But as I looked at this story, there were three major points that just really just, just kind of jumped off the page at me. And one is the need for a miracle. Number two is the miracle, and number three is the greater miracle. So let's set the scene in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Now, as I read this, I'm assuming Jesus, who obviously had been busy and the crowds were there, the disciples, they were all doing ministry, was looking for a time, a break from all the activity and a time where he could go and he could relax. And yet, all of a sudden, something happened as we move on down into the text and where we see a need for a miracle. Because crowds begin to come, right? And when that happened, the need was there. And so point one is the need for a miracle. Let me ask this question today to personalize this just a little bit for all of us. How many in this room feel like you need a miracle in your life? Yeah, lift your hand. Feel free, please. Um, many of us. See, a miracle is not always just huge event of feeding 5,000 people with, with like a story like we're sharing today, but a miracle can be something that seems to others might be small, but to me, it's big. 
The need is there. It could be physical. It could be spiritual. It could be financial. It could be a friend or a loved one. There's so many, or it could be something where we're just going through a major difficult time and we just need God to do a miracle in our lives. How many of you are glad that God is still able to do a miracle? You know, I asked a couple of buddies, uh, actually a couple of days ago, I was on the boat and I was up early one morning and kind of going through and looking at what we'd be sharing today, and a couple of guys walked in, and I, I said, you know, do, do Lutherans still believe in miracles? And one of the guys said, yeah, definitely, the water into wine one. They love that. And these were Southern Baptist guys, just so you know. Just, so I don't, I don't know if they were kidding or what, but I thought, what a great, great, what a great statement. I kind of like that story too. But, but you know, the need for a miracle, it's, it's all around us. In John chapter 6, verse 5, it said, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? See, Jesus saw the crowd, and he quickly responded. He saw the need, and he quickly began to think, we have to do something. And let me just stop and apply this to us as believers. How many of us are willing to open our spiritual eyes and see the need. I mean, that's what Jesus is all about, right? And so as Jesus lives inside of us, no matter where we are, whether it's right here in White Bear Lake or it's in Haiti or wherever, to be able to open our eyes and our hearts and to see the need and then to know that with God's help that we can do something about it. But Jesus saw the crowd, and you know, sometimes these opportunities of ministry can kind of mess up the moment. See, Jesus, again, was there to rest and to catch a break a little bit and maybe spend some time with his disciples, but all of a sudden they look up and there's this crowd beginning to come, and not just a crowd, but it was a sizable crowd of over 5,000 people, and you've heard that story, but Then Jesus turned to Philip and asked the question, what are we going to do? Where are we going to get food to feed all of these people? Now then verse 6, and I always, as I read this again, I was a little unfair that he was picking on Philip a little bit. Uh, You know, we could probably look at a lot of reasons why, but it says in verse 6, he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Wow. Wow. What a powerful statement. You that raised your hands a little bit ago, I just want you to know that Jesus already knows what he's going to do. Now, it may take some time. There may be a process. But Jesus already knows as you open your hearts and your lives to him within that event or that situation that he is there to minister to you. But he already knew. See, sometimes the need is bigger than any kind of plan that we can come up with They, right here in this story, they needed a miracle. But note Philip's answer in verse 7. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. I mean, they've got a problem. I mean, even if there was a Walmart in the area, it wasn't going to be enough food to feed over 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children. Well, maybe he asked Philip because he was that person that just simply stated the obvious. I mean, Philip just said it. Boom. We got a problem. We, 
If we work for a year, we can't, we can't even come up with enough money to really feed these people that are coming. You know, as a church or as a ministry in the natural, let me say there will never be enough money to take care of all the needs. Why? Because when you take care of this need, there's going to be another need. When you take care of that, even in the church or in ministry, or even many times in our families, in our own lives. Let me give you an example of Mission of Hope. As I mentioned, we feed 124,000 meals a day across the country of Haiti. But today, we have a list of over 60,000 children that we can't feed because we don't have the funds, we don't have the food to be able to share. The UN just released a report concerning Haiti saying that from March 2022 to June 2022, there will be 4.5 million people in food insecurity, 1.3 million in food emergency, meaning they have no clue where their next meal is going to come from. Haiti is at a place where it's one of the most challenging times in the history of the country. And I share that not just as a negative, it's a tough time. But at the same time, letting us know there's always going to be need, no matter what we do. And so as we remember that, even in our own lives, we continue to walk, we continue to minister, we continue to love, we continue to do what God has called us to do, but yet we're going to continue to come confront needs as we move and travel through life. Well, let me give you a story about Mission of Hope. In the early day, when I first became a part of Mission of Hope, this goes back to January of 2000, the mission was less than two years old, and there was, there was never, trust me, I thought those days would never come to an end, there, there was never enough money, but somehow God just constantly provided, even as he continues to do so today. And I remember connecting with an organization that, that is in Oklahoma City, where I live, called Feed the Children. Some of you may have heard of them. Uh, we met them. I had known the founder, and, and he had been a good friend of mine. And they, through a process of things that happened, began to bless us with containers of food and began to give us $15,000 a month. Now, as a, as a young ministry, I can't even tell you that was dance time, right? 15000 a month was significant within our budget, but all of a sudden, it was like we had enough for the moment. But then as the ministry continued to grow, we still then began to see as we had widows and orphans to feed and kids to educate and, and so many other things that, that we do, it was like what Jesus was dealing with. The crowds kept coming. So they gave us $15,000 for three years. Man, I, I would go, and I was, I was the office at that time. It was just me, all right? It was Brad, Vanessa, and Haiti, and I was in Oklahoma City, and so we had a P.O. box, and I would go to that P.O. box the 15th of every month, and if it was late, man, I would start sweating. Just, I mean, just the natural man. It was like, oh, no. And then one day I went, and it was late one day, two days, three days. And finally, on the third day, I picked up my phone and I called Feed the Children and I said, hey, uh, that check is still not here. And they proceeded to tell me that last month's check was your last check. 
uh, now I have to figure out how to call Brad and tell him. And, you know, I'm thinking the obvious was we have a problem. And the obvious was we're in a great need of a miracle. See, going back to Philip's answer again in verse 7, I will finish that story, so stay with me. But going back to his, his words, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a single bite. He expressed how big the need was. And that leads us to point number two, the miracle. Let me encourage you again, you that raised your hands, many of you did, there is a miracle for you in the house. There's a miracle there because God cares. God loves you. He, he cares about what we're facing and we're dealing with in life. But verses 8 and 9 of John 6 says this, Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? You know, I, I read that the other day, and I've read this story. I've heard this story all of my life. As I read that, I thought, really? You actually brought up the fact that you've got a handful of fish and a handful of bread for over 5,000 people. I mean, I'm not sure I would have even said that. I don't know if that was an incredible moment of faith or Peter was just trying to be funny. I, I don't know what was going on, but here is this boy with some bread and fish. What is that going to do? Either way, he provided the answer. He provided the answer. See, it doesn't make sense, but it did to Jesus. Life doesn't make sense sometimes. We can't make sense of it. Things happen. Bad things happen. But Jesus is, is still the answer. See, miracles don't make sense. And in fact, if you can explain it, it's not a miracle, right? I mean, because miracles go beyond our ability to really understand. And then verses 10 through 13, we see what happens. Tell everyone to sit down. Jesus said, so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, I mean, so they ate a lot, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When it was all over, there was more than enough. Now let me get back to the Feed the Children story. See, we were at a place, we needed a miracle. The very next Sunday after that phone call with Feed the Children, Claudel, some of you remember Claudel, and was with me one time here years ago, and uh, he and I had a service booked in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, at the end of that service, the pastor brought us a check. Does anybody want to guess how much it was? for $15,000. We hadn't received a check anything close to that from a local server or church service at that point. When he handed me the check, I didn't know whether I should dance or pass out or go drink wine. I didn't know, whatever, but it was an incredible moment. It's like I've grown up in church. I've seen God do amazing things, but isn't it fun when just God just does what he does? He comes through. So we also had this annual golf tournament that we put on, and I had never, and I, I directed it, I had never cleared over $5,000 for, 
And that golf tournament was scheduled one month later after the church service. And we cleared $20,000. We, did, we, we didn't even touch $20,000 after that. It, all, it went right back to the five. But then, then it gave us some time for other donations to come in. And at the end of the day, again, there was enough because God came through and blessed us. So God does perform miracles. The need for a miracle, the miracle, and point number three is the great miracle. See, there's a, this is kind of the life application part. Jesus performed an amazing miracle in feeding the 5,000 people. Now, we can't duplicate that. So how do we do or how do we see a greater miracle? In John chapter 14, verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. How does this work? Jesus fed over 5,000 people that day. It was one major event. But all of us together doing our part. See, churches like you and across the U.S. and people like you that give and sponsor kids and, and make donations to Mission of Hope, today we feed 124,000 meals every day. That's the greater miracle. Many, much ministry can happen when all of us together, we can do our part. You as a church, you as individuals in this church, you working together can have impact in this community, in the U.S. or in other parts of the world. Why? Because we're coming together. Jesus, when he was on earth, was one. We are many across this world. And so today, thank God that we can be a part of the greater miracle. But today, I want to share what's on the table. So we have 16,000 children. Mission of Hope started with 260 kids back in 1998. Today, we have over 16,000 children in, in our education program. Many of you have sponsored kids and letting you know those kids are doing well. They're going to school. But we still have about half of those 16,000 that need to be sponsored. And so we're asking you to be a part of the greater miracle. Every person adds to the numbers that have sponsored from the founding or the beginning of Mission of Hope to today in churches all across the country. And so thank you. Thank you. It's because of churches like you, people like you, that Mission of Hope continues to get to do what God has called us to do. And the ministry is growing in spite of all the challenges. I want you to, to watch this video. It's a story of Billy as he kind of processes through school and graduates. Thank you for allowing me to be with you today. God bless. I have four brothers and two sisters. I am one of the oldest, so I help take care of them. Jay. Hello? You sure? When I was young, my mother died. After her death, life became very difficult for our family. My father really struggled to take care of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I knew that education was the best way to change my life, but we did not have money to pay for school. Thanks to a sponsor at Michelofort, I have been able to pursue an education. This is my final year of school. I like math and physics the best. One day, I want to be an engineer and help build new and beautiful building for eight. When I was in the 10th grade, I had the opportunity to meet my sponsor in person. I could not believe that someone I didn't know could care so much about me. She even came to visit on my birthday. It's one of my best memories ever. She is like my American mom. Today is my graduation. Today is a wonderful day. I will be very proud to graduate this year, but I will miss my friends who have been like brothers. I have been waiting for this day for a long time. I'm thankful for the people who helped me get here. My father and all my family, my sponsor and cat. Education has transformed me into a new person. Now I can reach my potential.